So, John, it's Friday afternoon of uh, WWDC week. We're sat here in your apartment in a beautiful San Francisco. Um, we've been hanging out all week. Um, how are you feeling? Well, I, I've been so much happier this week because I've been able to reach out and poke you and touch you and annoy you without having to do it, you know, to use Twitter to do it. So that already has been a, a great thing. <laughs> Yes, plenty of touching, but anyway. Uh, um, so, this being in the same room never makes this easy, but uh, 5,000 miles works well for us. It's uh, that type of relationship. But but putting our personal issues aside, um, lots, lots of stuff going on this week, so let, let's, let's dig straight into it. Um, we've had the whole week of it now. What, um, from what Apple said, let's start with that. From what Apple said, what excited you most? I I think Swift Playgrounds and and the 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 realization of something I think started at least a year ago where they said you know we're going to make a concerted effort to bring new new and different voices into into the field of software development and I think that that's super important you know I I, I may be you know imagining or or kind of you know uh, attributing much too much to Apple's executive team but I I kind of have to imagine that. Here you have a company with boatloads of cash in in the in in, in the bank, and yes, they can do all sorts of research projects to make new products. But I also kind of think uh, that they want to be able to to drive this machine they have to 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 achieve social goals. That they they think, in other words, if they think that it is important to have people from all over the world with all sorts of different backgrounds participating in this, you know, getting access to the tools needed to 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 make our modern world different and better. Then they have to, to to they have a role to play. So you know when and and the reason I I I think that I see evidence for this is look at the the video they showed. I mean they, they I think <clears throat> this is the first software development conference only at Apple's developer conferences. Do you think uh, do I think that you would see that that emphasis of saying this is why we make our tools? Look at the types of things people are doing it, and it's not just like you know here's some pasty guy making a, a faster video game and going on about how the new hardware makes you know more polygons possible per you know per second. It's more about you know here is a, a woman who wants to build software to to assist battered women, right? And so that's the starting point. It's not the you know I really like this language or this that and the other thing, but they have a stated goal, and and then and then they they use Apple tools to be able to move in that. And you show you know they they put such a emphasis about how many new people are coming into the conference and and how young they are and and, and how you see you know underrepresented uh, people coming into the fold so that that I think is is the most interesting aspect about it you know I think any of the 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 minutiae of new apis or bug fixes or updated tools they're all excellent I mean I think Xcode looks really good and 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 you know, and I think that the, the, certainly the watch OS makes makes the watch is probably going to get me to, to to start wearing it again because I, I stopped, and I think a, a lot of other people did. But those are some of the initial thoughts that come to mind. Yeah, I mean, I think it's um, all pretty cool, really. I think I think the playground stuff is great. Um, I, I loved the diversity they showed of what they were trying to open up with playgrounds. Um, and especially focusing on the classroom and children and the next generation of developers. 
and very much see a satitude in the and I know it was a video because it was about learning languages but the it was very much aimed at here are a group of people who are already doing something that they're passionate about um, and this isn't about turning them into developers it's about giving them another tool in which they can carry on to improve their passion um, so it wasn't about, you know, it's not Apple. When Apple was saying the next generation of developers, they're not talking about, you know, um, guys and girls are going to spend 40 hours a week, you know, sat in an office churning this stuff out. It's it's about people who are going to improve other stuff, possibly as part-time. And I thought that was an interesting uh, sort of concept around that. Yeah, and, and, and there were... There were there were also some moments that were kind of funny juxtapositions. I mean, I, I think they, the, like, for instance, there was the, the kid in Beirut, the kid, you know, the, the young man in Beirut who says, yeah, I'm going to build a watch app so that somebody who has, who can afford to have an Apple watch and a whole set of Apple kit, but lives in a place where you regularly have brownouts, <laughs> will be able to know when there's no electricity. So thank God for, for good battery life. So th there was that. But then the other kind of really interesting thing was, you know, it, 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 it almost seems like there's, there's, kind of a company schizophrenia in that half the company seems to be working on tools to get people to, you know, use their devices and their screens so much that it necessary, you know, makes necessary the tools to help you breathe <laughs> and calm down. So that was kind of really good. It's almost like the, that, the squeegee business model where you drive across the bridge into Manhattan, somebody throws wind, you know, mud on your windshield and miraculously one black block later, there's, you know, uh, somebody there to, to, to wipe your windshield. So I think that's, that's hilarious areas so yeah just so okay so just to pick up on that i think the analogy of mud on the windshield and then the, the squeegee is great because i have to say i sat there um uh, we weren't in the keynote we were watching it at the alt comp screening at the uh metreon um uh movie theater um you know when tim cook said we want to put you know millions of uh, children to be able to develop you know and there was the shot came up on the screen of all the kids in the classroom i thought you know there's another million iPad sales. Right. <laughs> so it was a little, you know, we've made it today free, but no, your $600 iPad isn't free that you're going to have to run this on. So it's going to be interesting. If they now, if they start giving huge, huge sort of incentives for uh, schools and colleges on iPads and things, maybe that's going to be even cooler, but you know, that's uh, maybe for another day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, 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 I hear you on that, but I, I, I kind of think that I, I, I'm pretty sure that, that, iPads and, and even any any equipment that gets sold in schools has to be sold at a pretty deep discount. So I don't, you know, yes, yeah, sure, it's not it's not the open web where all you need is a text editor and, and, and any browser and on any computer, granted. But I think that, that that's part of the thing is I don't think that you can have an environment like Swift Playgrounds without the type of hardware and integrated operating system they make. So that, that, that you know, that that didn't raise any any hackles. Um, the other thing I thought that was very good is, is, again, the huge focus on privacy, you know, and and I mean, you, you expect it from Apple because that's that's so much of, of, of who they are. But it's particularly the case, you know, given the, the, the pressure they were under to, to, to open up a back door after the, the San Bernardino shooting. So, you know, Apple is like, nope, 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 not going to happen. So I think that the, I was always wondering kind of, you know, it's, so they, let's take messaging, for example. I mean, they 
I think they have a couple of reasons why they have to care about it. One is that simply it's, it, it would be like somebody ignoring the web if you were to, to ignore messages. I mean, I think that so much of what people are doing on, on, you know, with their computers today or with their devices today is, is sending messages back and forth to each other. And, and obviously there are lots of different platforms. Facebook has a very important platform with a well-developed you know, de- um, developer toolkit and the ability to do bots and things like that. And so they, they couldn't possibly escape that. So on the one hand, I think about what will happen with messages is almost like uh, the d- Facebook coming along after people have been already, already using MySpace. I mean, I don't know if you've ever used Snapchat. I, I don't. I, I picked it up. I installed it. I, I played around with it for a little, and it just it 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 it's just ugly. It, it really seems like MySpace, and 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 then what Apple comes along with it's certainly a lot more tasteful. So I think there's that aspect to it. But I think the other thing that they kept pointing out is like, not only is it very, very clearly encrypted end to end, but we're not gathering any information about it, right? So I mean, of course, Facebook is, is you know, every opportunity they have to be able to, to increase their profile for you, they're going to do. And, 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 you know, it's, I think it's, I don't know, it's, it's probably clear to everybody who thinks about it a little bit, but I think most people just don't think about it at all. So I'm, I'm glad that they are, they're pushing so hard on their privacy front. Yeah, I think, um, the whole privacy thing is is especially for uh, people like us who maybe understand it a little more because it's something we have to deal with regarding our users and everything as well. That um, yeah, it's it's important. It's going to be interesting to see because of course Apple have the um, the advantage that you know we are not the product as it is with Facebook in Google uh, where we're going to be advertised to is the hardware sales. As they make the transition into services, and maybe everyone in the world has an iPhone, and then only upgrading every three years or something, you know how how much if that story changes. But right now, the story looks like they're really trying to um, distinguish themselves as we're going to do all the clever stuff that everyone else is doing, but we're going to do it, and it's not going to cost you who you are in order to do that. And if they can pull that off, um, maybe that will be all it will take to make sure people keep buying these devices. It's, um, and I think the more. In some ways, for Apple, the more times something happens where someone's data is exposed, not from them, but from a, a Google or a Facebook or, or whatever, um, or something happens where privacy is in the news, that's only good for Apple, and they're going to keep making sure that they, they keep pumping this. For me, I was um, maybe a little bit more narrow in, in what excited me. I, I loved the new stuff in Xcode 8 that was shown in the State of the Union. Um, I haven't had a chance to play with it yet. I haven't even downloaded it yet. Um I'm expecting it, and this may be unfair, as I said, I haven't done it. I'm expecting it, like the new memory, visual memory management, uh, debugging stuff was really cool. I'm expecting it not to work. I'm expecting it to be like the first release of Auto Layout. It's sort of annoying enough to just drive you mad, but doesn't actually do it for you. But the great thing is it shows what they're trying to do, and maybe by Xcode 9, Xcode 10, it will be amazing. So it shows us what's to come, uh, but I'm being realistic there. Now, if I open it up and it works straight away then that's you know even more kudos that that's cool and i love the fact that um they've got the documentation up together that um and i know we've had other tools external to that but this whole push to sort of sorting the documentation out is um and having all the information you need because i'm terrible at remembering what was came in and what version of what api and is there a difference between you know it, this on the Mac and in on iOS and whatever else, and having to download the documentation every time you install a new version of Xcode or whatever else? So having all that up together and and, and then the the application to search it and everything, that I, I got quite excited about. Is it sad that I got excited by documentation? 
No, why should you be? I mean, it, it and, and, and Apple should be awesome at it. And, and they've certainly got way, way, way better at it over the last, you know, one or two years. Um, but, and, and, and they're also just changing the nature of it, that it's not, you know, a glorified web page that you access with an Xcode. I, I, I never read class documentation in Xcode. I always just Google it. I mean, you Google the class name, the first hit always is Apple's docs. And then after that, <laughs> the next things are about how the, the docs don't maybe match reality. <laughs> so, but, but I think beyond that, again, with, with, with playgrounds and, and, and a visual way of, of, you know, seeing what, how your memory is not working, or learning, you know, the the effect of, of your changes to an animation block, for instance. It's a it's a move towards you know, don't just don't just write about it. Let me play with it. Let me see how it works. Um, I think that that's interesting, and I think that eventually people will look back at, you know, we, not that we aren't already old men, but I think it will be like I remember when you actually had to read the document about how a how a class work and, and what the method names were. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, so talking about being old men, I was um, I met someone today, um, just walking past Moscone, and we just had a five minute chat, and you know they were saying how they saw this was being a push, this whole keynote and what was in iOS ten was being a push to sort of you know apps. It's not about now writing apps that do things; it's about writing apps that integrate into the integral experience of the device, and you know th- those uh, those that integral experience. And admittedly, the APIs are new and they're only just starting this. Yeah, but you know, there's definitely this thing about um, messaging is the key of mobile devices these days. I think you know that's been true, especially on Android and and, and uh, you know and with other platforms like um, Snapchat and whatever else for a while. And, and iMessage had fallen a long way behind, and there's sort of an acknowledgement of that in here. But equally, then doing it well, but with the Siri stuff, and I think there's a sense of developers. We want you to just become part of the overall device experience, not a separate experience that users have to go and find. Um, which sort of like sounds like a great message, but I'm you know <laughs> I'm not sure how many people can find ways of making um, things you know playgrounds inside messages. Well, yeah, why not? But I mean, I was thinking while you're you're saying this, it, it is true that there's a, a a vanishingly small number of apps that any user will actually double tap to launch on and as i've said before your app's not one of those you know unless you're writing facebook or i'll say netflix you know or or, or one of the apple apps the chances of your third party indie app being one that people use all the time is is very very difficult but almost any app that does anything somehow can can fit into one of these you know buckets that they have now it is i think it is also true that apple is very very careful about which what they expose through their extensions and and i haven't checked the docs and you know when i wrote the the findery sharing extension i was super excited to begin with and then the, the devil in the details was is that you couldn't have access to the you know the 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 geocoded data inside there to find out where the photo was taken and therefore to know where to put it on the map and what a place to associate with it so the the sharing extension and finder is is not all that great unless you're you're sharing it from exactly where you are which I mean, in many cases that is so but in a lot of cases it's not you come back home you know and then all of a sudden you you share it and, and you have to go try and kind of futz with a map, which nobody wants to do. So, you know, I think it will be interesting as we, we dig into this to see what the walls people hit are. But I think they have they have defined a number of different super common scenarios related to maps and, 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 and chat experiences. And, uh, you know, I think that does that does level the playing field. I mean, I think the other thing that 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 
I think that they've put a lot of effort into is is to bring different let's call them different voices to, into the into the field. But then once they're in there, you know, just because you have a, a new perspective on life and you're building a, an app that solves this social problem doesn't mean anybody's ever going to find out about it unless there are new ways of doing it. So, uh, you know, the search ads that's that's going to be interesting. I mean, the, the, you know, uh, transitioning a little bit about some of the other events. You know, I went to, the, the, to John Gruber's talk show, and it was very interesting to hear, you know, from 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 you know the the horse's mouth. Is that the phrase? You know, hearing it directly from, you know, uh, Phil Schiller and, and and Craig Federighi, and 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 I guess by extension the rest of the Apple team, what their motivations were for for doing you know paid search advertising and, and and a lot of question comes in it's like well that's great but doesn't that just mean that that the big companies are going to completely dominate and, and they really said no uh because we're not going to allow exclusivity so if you're clever about how you glom on to something then any indie should be able to have a decent ranking that really will be a, a kind of a meritocracy in that way so we'll see i mean that that's going to be interesting yeah that's um <laughs> Because here's this thing about having apps that integrate with the device and then the whole thing about search advertising your app. They're sort of um, maybe a little separate and, and, and looking at both worlds, the existing world and the future world maybe. Um, I was on a panel after, just after the keynote where we had very little to say because from the keynote we got very little information really um, uh, before the State of the Union. But um, one of the panel members, and apologies, I can't remember which one, said that, you know, if you... If you're just working integers, the average number of apps installed by an iPhone user is zero, um, which is like quite scary, really, for people trying to make a, a living off that. So um, e even this concept of being able people to find your app better, it's this thing of people just don't install apps is, you know, it, it's... Uh, yeah, the, the whole thing of the iPhone has been because of the apps, and yet actually the average person doesn't install any is quite an interesting, an interesting thing to me. So you said you um you went we're talking about other events. You went you went to the talk show. Uh, what else have you been to this week? Well, I went to Alt Conference to 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 I emceed for a couple of days, so that was nice. I got to introduce and, and meet a number of speakers who gave some really fantastic talks, which I can talk about. Um, I went also to the the Beard Bash that was on Monday. That was that was lots of fun. Um, and then, of course, uh, I went uh, because I played at the at the James Dempsey and the Breakpoint show. That was, I think, that was. I have to admit that was the highlight of the week because uh, we were raising money for App Camp for Girls, and I I, I think it's the, the the greatest organization since sliced bread uh, manufacturers. Um, and so uh, it was. A, I think it was a good performance. Lots of people had fun, and uh, gosh, I can't wait to do it again. Yeah, it it was a great evening. It had a very much. Uh... Uh, a sense of fun about it everyone was having a great time raised over 30 grand for app camp for girls which is no, not insignificant um uh, in that and um we got to see you play drums so uh, alongside you know more guests than we could ever care to mention on the stage <laughs> at different times singing different different songs but it, it was it was a, a a cool night out um, okay, so AltConf, yeah, I am seat there just just for one day as well. Um, it, it was really well done, some great stuff. What you, um, I didn't see. Okay, let, let's make this clear for me. I didn't see a bad talk. However, there are talks that strike you more than other talks. So, what stood out for you at AltConf? Uh, there was a presentation. I'm, I'm sorry, I don't remember the the presenter's name, but we can add it in the, in the show notes because they will be releasing videos for this. So, all the all the the conference videos are good. So I can I can recommend all the ones that I saw. But the one that that immediately struck me was 
uh, a project to to build a, a software that can solve the how do I get how do I accurately navigate the last thirty feet from to to get to a bus stop right how do I help blind people physically find the bus stop because obviously there are tons of transit apps for every transit system in the world and 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 there we have GPS in our phones but GPS especially in an urban area is comically inaccurate I mean it can easily be off by a hundred feet or I think that's thirty meters or so for for the rest of the world that doesn't have, know how to use the right measuring system um, anyway. <laughs> waiting for the darts to come for that one. Uh, and so, you know, what was, at first it was a social mission that, that I, I, I kind of resonate with immediately. But then even if you even if you didn't care at all about blind people and all you are interested in is how do you design and how do you figure out the best solution, the best design to solve a problem, the, the steps they went through to do it were really interesting because as 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 nerds the first you know inclination is like well we have powerful devices and they they could do computer vision you could why can't you just point the device and it can recognize the shape of the bus shelter problem solved and the problem with that of course is that 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 requires a lot of heavy technology and and a, a lot of a lot more effort than probably could be realized so they said well you know why don't we ask and, and research on how blind people actually find things you know it's a, it's it's an observable phenomenon you can talk to people and and you know their first their first efforts for doing it was saying well you know how would you describe it you you know say face traffic you know and then the first object or first item to the left of the bus stop is this tree and then to the left of that is a, is a garbage can and on the other side to the right is object a and object b and and they they tested with that technology they use voiceover of course so they they hand an app to somebody and only one person out of out of the group was able to find it and they realized that what was bad about that design is because you know tend to face traffic right and so they just flipped it on the end and they just say let's think about it in, in terms of, of wayfinding you know for the first thing you will encounter is this it's a tree right and because you're blind uh your other senses tend to, to become very acute to, to help compensate so a blind person's hearing tends to be very very fine so they're going to say i'm going to listen to the particular sound of, of wind through these tree leaves or or the rattling of 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 the the chain link fence next to it so they, they they took that approach and then that worked so much better and so they can crowdsource the details of it sorry i'm giving the whole talk but i found it so good you know uh and 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 so they they talked about that design and so i, I found that very very interesting and it carries on a theme that we, we've talked about before that you know if you're trying to figure out how something actually works don't spend all your time coding the solution you think it's going to work find the the, the 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 quickest way to get something that somebody can try give it to them shut up and observe and 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 it doesn't matter whether you're specifically trying to solve a navigation problem for for, for a blind person if you're just trying to solve a problem how do you get somebody to, to navigate and use your app you know hypothesize as quickly as possible and then test and rinse and repeat that's the way to have success so that that was very good uh, the other one that 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 totally stood out, and it wasn't a tech talk at all. It was a presentation on on Lava May, which uh, Stuff MC, to his great credit, uh, last year introduced a bunch of people to this organization. But it was started by this woman three years ago in San Francisco, who came across a you know a homeless woman who was in deep deep distress. She was filthy, as you become if you're living out in the streets, and she said. I will never, ever, ever, ever be clean again. And she just, it, it, that, that struck her so profoundly that then she set about to, to solve that problem. And the basic solution is she came up with is to, to create mobile, mobile showers, right? On, and, and so she went and got an, an old bus from the city, which was already wheelchair accessible by design and, in, and had it retrofitted using you know, the highest quality, quality design and materials to 
build an absolutely high-end spa quality shower experience, two of them on a bus that can be driven anywhere to where homeless people are already getting services for, for, for other things. And the important point of it, the, the phrase they used was, you know, radical hospitality, because once you fall into homeless, you know, then, then of course you end up being treated, you know, as animals, right? You know, so in the city of San Francisco, which has a homeless population of, of, of around 7,500, there were only something like six places in the entire city where there were any showers that could be accessible. And then each place, you know, six, six or so shower heads, three shower heads, whatever, and, you know, an absurdly small number of spots that may be difficult to get to. And, and, and then you have a crowd of people that are being herded like animals into it. So that that's unacceptable. I mean, here we are tech workers. We, we enjoy just amazing perks. We're constantly treated to, to the finest, whether it's, you know, <laughs> electronic toilets or the best food imaginable. And, and we get that. And yet we're the ones who are, are, are saying we're going to change the world and we're going to solve world problems. Like, well, okay, let's apply some of the, those, those same design techniques that we're doing and actually help people who really, really need super super amounts of help so you know the whole presentation of that it, it moved me and absolutely everybody else in the room to tears um, all the more so because there are so many people who come to san francisco from other parts of the world and and they're just absolutely shocked at the contrast you have between san francisco the land of such incredible technical inner innovation and san francisco home of the most you know just grotesque human indignity imaginable. I mean, there obviously are, are places in the world with more abject poverty and, and, and where everybody is, but you wouldn't expect that in San Francisco. Why should that be the case? You know? So anyway, th that, that was a talk worth watching. And, and again, you know, uh, you don't live you know, you may say, well, what does that have to do with technology? But I, I honestly, and very, very sincerely believe that you become a better technologist when you're exposed to the, the, the humanity that you're trying to service with technology. I totally agree. Um, I think, um, and, and although yeah, we're not trying to say that San Francisco is you know the, the roughest place in the world because you know anyone who's travelled in many parts of the world knows that you know the, um, the, some of the abject poverty is you know beyond even comprehension in places. However, I think in 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 San Francisco, it's the contrast. You know, you you're getting off your um, you're getting off the bar to go for your designer coffee and your your designer bagel before you go to your sixteen hundred dollar conference and from your six hundred dollar a night hotel room, and and you're just surrounded by um, you know, uh, a problem. And it's and it's not just a problem of people who are choosing to sleep on the streets; they have no money. The amount of mental illness is phenomenal. Um, in saying so, and so, you know, I, I think for the city to be encouraged through inspirational things like the showers which let's face it is such a simple idea I, I mean i say simple i suspect pulling it off was incredibly complicated but you know it, it's not a complex idea overall but you know you have some of you know what we call because of our industry you know the brightest minds in the world definitely some of the most money in the world in this in this city and you know i think the city the, the residents of this city not the city as in the council the residents of this city who are in that privileged position of being in the tech industry you know, should be turning some of that effort, money, energy into, you know, showing how it can change their own city for, for the better. Um, uh, and I, I, yeah, and I'm sure there are lots of people trying to do that, but obviously we need lots more because it's not making that much progress yet. So, yeah, I think um, there was a very, I think to the whole of AltConf, and you said also with the, 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 the keynote at Apple, there was 
it was a real reminder in many ways that you know our job is not about tech it's about humanity uh, making humanity a better place and even if it's just making communication between one another more fun through messaging and whatever else it's still about people um it's not about bits and bytes and so i think you know both of those talks you put would have you know are, are great examples of that i mean i mean the conference wasn't just those type of talks there were others as well that were you know, you know i particularly enjoyed one on open gl which was really surprising because middle of the afternoon a talk on open gl it's like you'd expect that to be snooze fest but it was you know someone uh, again i can't remember the name but, you know sort of presented uh open gl in a, in a in a sort of from a point of view of this is what I did. This is how I did it, and it was very, very engaging. It kept me entertained for the whole the whole forty minutes of it. Um, there was another talk by a designer um, who'd worked for Apple, Facebook, and um, another one <laughs> I can't remember. Is there? But he was talking about how, as a designer, you know, even in these organisations that are um, uh, seen as forward thinking, to get your ideas to be accepted is really, really difficult. And he was talking about you know, how he would do side projects and sort of organize skunk works inside the companies and come in early and do stuff and then things would be adopted and just encouraging people not to not to give up on their dreams and their passions about what they want to develop because the boss was saying no. Find a way of showing the boss that you're right that doesn't offend, upset, steal time from them. But you know, if you're passionate, get on with it and do it. So that that was uh, that 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 was pretty good as well. Um and I love Jamie Newbury's talk on selling your shit. Um <laughs> It's, you know, uh, she you know, said in life, there are t- two phrases you need to remember is, is business in a developer and a salesperson. You know, it's kill your darlings and, and and sell your shit. And so she did one on it. But again, it was just incredibly pragmatic, you know, how to present yourself as a human being and get response from people. I mean, it wasn't, you know, any sort of like deep marketing guru stuff. It was stuff like reply to emails. <laughs> quickly efficiently get to the point that sort of stuff so it was a really and all that stuff when you say it sounds well that sounds like a bit of a weird conference but it actually just i think it held together really really well and was a great um a great time a great time so anything else we need to talk about from this week uh one other thing uh, bill atkinson's talk and and so i don't know i, I think I know who Bill Atkins is. I think anybody who used a Mac in the early days should know who it is. But if it, let's put it this way: you would not be using a Mac. You would not be using a graphical, a modern graphical user interface that was available on hardware that normal people could purchase without him. He invented QuickDraw, which was the, the graphics routine that that made the Macintosh you know possible on 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 relatively inexpensive hardware. And then, for God's sakes, he made HyperCard, right? You know that 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 predated the web and had all the aspects of of the web except for in, in a time. Where, where you know the, the public access, commercial access to the internet wasn't possible, but but even the whole idea that you could have it is in, in every way kind of like a, a swift playground of its day, right? You you would be a stacks of information. It could have the graphics and texts and sound that could be linked to each other with a simple programming language. And the important thing is that you could hold down two keys and essentially view the source of 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 hypercard. And so anyway, here's this guy, absolute genius. He talks about the early days about having, you know, been convinced by by Steve Jobs to come work at Apple versus doing, you know, his PhD completing his PhD in and I can't remember what it was, neuroscience of some sort. And he he built this thing. And his work touched obviously millions and millions and millions of people, launched thousands and thousands of careers. And then he left Apple and this guy's an absolute genius, but you know, he he didn't get a, a an entrance into the into the talk, and and in the in the end, you know, after he left Apple and accomplished so much, he followed his passions for photography, and he talked a little bit about that. 
the, the, the point I'm getting at is that he has this indie product and is every bit an indie product. He does everything. He, you know, designed the software, the client software, you know, the so, uh, server side software, all the mechanisms for doing it for this lovely thing called photo card, which basically allows you to compose a kind of postcard consisting of beautifully laid out text and images and stamps and, you know, heart shaped cutouts or other, you know, all the things that you can imagine that you'd put. But the point of it is, is that it actually gets printed and automatically shipped to you. So it's, it's fabulous. It's it's it, the whole point of it was is that you know we have all this digital uh, photo, all these digital photographs there, but there's still something absolutely lovely about something that you can hold on, and that will last and, and is absolutely is visible you know ten years from now in a way that a digital photo may not be if it's trapped on a incompatible digital format like you know a zip drive or even you know in today's modern times you know that's it may be possible you no longer have your micro sd reader right in, in five years whereas you know a printed page printed photograph if it's laminated in high quality will last forever um and and so it was very interesting and but the the the, the reason why it touched me so much is like we we've you know, here's this guy who, who, as he said, when he worked on the stuff at Apple, he didn't have to worry at all about marketing because they just pressed a button and all the might of Apple was behind it. And then he finds himself outside of Apple as, let's be honest, you know, other people who had worked at Apple, they leave Apple, they launch a product, and then all of a sudden they realize, oh, it's actually really, really hard to do. And uh, so that was very interesting to, to hear, you know, his his travails. For him, it doesn't, you know, for him, it, it's not losing money, but it's not making money. And the real reason why it wants to, 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 to make it is that, you know, he says, look, I'm 65. You know, he says, I've got like 15, 20 years before the warranty expires. And I want to be able to, to, to make this sustainable enough so that a team of people can continue to do it after I'm gone. So he, he was very, you know, and it wasn't at all morbid or anything like that. It's just saying that, you know, he, he has a passion, but a passion without sustainability may not, may as well not exist. And I think that's a very refreshing reminder to, to us that, that, you know, you have to think about this. And, uh, so that was really good. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't see that one. That's, that's really cool. Um, I like that. Of course, the other great thing about WWDC week is just catching up with people, meeting people. You can't really, you know, in that area of town, you can't really walk around without, um, bumping into people you might know or not know. Um, <laughs> that, that's pretty obvious, isn't it? They're going to bump to people you know or not know. Uh, bump to people you know or you'd like to know, shall we say? <laughs> and um, just just catching up with them is is great fun. And I mean, like, so AltConf. I liked the fact that AltConf finished on Thursday, um, and many of us have hung around in town on Friday. Now, traditionally, Friday at Dub Dub was a really sort of it ended at lunchtime, um, and you know not really a lot went on but i mean the last couple of years dub dub is the sessions have gone right up till six o'clock on on friday night and it was quite interesting that you know last year's most um popular session after it happened was the protocol oriented programming session and the the session advertised as the follow-up to that one wasn't until five o'clock this afternoon within the session so that was interesting whether they're trying to keep people here or it's just no one thought it through um i did speak to people in the conference today they did say it was a lot quieter in Dub Dub today, so maybe obviously having lots of extra sessions hasn't kept everyone there. Um, there were some interesting sessions. Uh, I mean, they've been live streaming the sessions. I've not really watched any of them this week. I've been too busy. Did you watch any of them? Not yet, other than the other than the you know, State of the Union. Um, but it was there was an introduction to Xcode session in WWDC, which I which I thought was interesting. By the fact you would have thought that if you were coming to WWDC, you you'd know something about it, and you know apparently P 
people who were coming who were just beginning and they wanted to know more about it. However, I did find it really weird. I think the session ran on Thursday afternoon. <laughs> so how that works for people, I don't know. Anyway, where was I? Catching up with people. So more coffee this week, more you know, donuts and pancakes and breakfasts and whatever else. I'm doing, but it's been, been great. And even for me, you know, I've, I've called up with three people this week for, for breakfast or lunch that I probably live less than an hour from. <laughs> or maybe maybe two hours from in the uk and we come five thousand miles and so we must catch up while we're here um but that's really part of the fun of being here for the week and i think especially now with all the events like AltConf and the layers conference um and people coming to town it really does create a little bit of buzz in, in town around that i mean you live here so it's a bit of a different experience but does that sort of do you get that vibe as well Absolutely. I mean, I think it, it was even the case for me. You catch up with people who, you know, live not far away from you and especially here in Silicon Valley, and, you know, San Francisco area, everybody's so hyper busy. And this is the time where people allow themselves to kind of meet up with people. I think the other thing too, that was really nice is that, uh, you know, it's a generational thing. I mean, I've been going to dub dub for a long ass time. Right. And so I, there's a well-worn group of people that, that I know, and I'm, I'm always super happy to be able to see them again, but it's also really nice to be able to see other people. I mean, uh, my cheesy little technique at, at, at alt conference when I was being the MC is I, I opened up and I said, turn to the person to your right and, and repeat after me. Thank you for being an awesome person. <laughs> you know, and that was my, my silly way to, to, to get people into the idea that, you know, you should follow the code of contact. But the, the, the larger point is what I'm shamelessly stealing from you is that, you know, it, it's the, it's the people you're going to meet, and you should really make an effort to meet new people. So I really made a conscious effort to do that and met a bunch of interesting new people, and, and that that was really lovely. Um, so yeah, it's always good, always good. So um, we'll put as much as we can in the show notes about what we've spoken about. Obviously, the AltConf um, videos haven't been released yet, so we're just going to have to link to the AltConf website, and people are going to have to wait for them to come out. I think you can subscribe to a a newsletter to get them the, the videos are all recorded by realm and they release a video every every day i think of, of something from some conference so i guess if you go to the realm site and sign up for their video newsletter you'll get you'll get stuff there we'll try and put as much in the show notes as we can remember that we've waffled on about but um it's been great being here with you john all the touching and the poking and the other things and um it's uh thanks for everyone for listening and until next time you take care Thank you.